is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk a little basketball with our buddy, the coach, Coach Cordy Chiesa, coming up here momentarily talk about the finals that uh, will resume again in two weeks <laughs> is it one game every two weeks now so <laughs> be back at it on wednesday it's going to be uh, obviously uh, the game was uh, sunday wednesday saturday this week so there's your, your it has finals. slowed down a little bit but not once every two weeks it's just crawling along all right let's jump out to let's uh, jump out to the smart rain special guest line it's no mystery utah's in extreme drought that is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, longtime jazz assistant coach and our good friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. Hey, uh, we have lots to get to with you, of course, but uh, Gordon and I were joking about this uh, a little bit. Your thoughts on it. This NBA playoff has gone on at a good clip, right, Coach? I mean, uh, teams playing pretty much every other night, and now we've reached the finals. And they're playing a couple of games a week. It just feels weird. It does, absolutely. And that's because of TV, obviously. And so next game is Wednesday night, then, then the Saturday is a game five. They're trying to make it uh, much uh, to keep the maximum viewing audience as far as most times on weekends. So that's what they do that for. When Back in 1997-98, it was a much different world back then when the Jazz played the Bulls, and we were, uh, the games were, were definitely less spaced out. And from a playing standpoint, the players would like to play every other day if possible because it's the rhythm of playing. Is that, is that really the, the ideal every other day? Uh... Yeah, it is really. This time of year. In other words, you're all talked out from a coaching standpoint. What more can you say about Gordon and Jake pick and roll defense? What more can you say? What more can you say about uh, being physical? You're, you're, you're all talked out, and the players, to their credit, they have to play. Just, just, just perform. And so the less talk and the less anxiety of waiting around to play. A lot of times in any sport or in any business or any entertainment is that you could talk yourself out of, of a good performance by waiting too long as far as the anxiety level. What about the age of players? Does that come into play as far as that goes? I understand that the older players are probably uh, uh, mentally, uh, they understand the game better, but uh, their bodies might benefit from a little more rest. No, yes? No, not really. Not this time of year. That would be as far as, the, in other words, that would be in a road trip, like say you're Chris Paul or P.J. Tucker, they're both 36 years young, emphasized young. But on, say, a, a five-game, eight-day road trip, that's when you have to rest more. This is different where you're in one city, like, for example, like for the Bucks, for the Suns right now, they're in one city without traveling. It's, not, it's the opposite. Sometimes you lose your edge. So 
when you are the Suns right now, um, when I was with the Jazz, um, we, were in, we played the Bulls. There was that awful uh, two days without playing. So every place I went, Jake, everybody was saying how bad we were, meaning the Jazz, in different language, if you know what I mean. <laughs> this, let's fast forward to this generation uh, with the uh, Suns right now. But it's even worse than that. They've been up to pay till Wednesday, where in their world, wherever they are, the hotel, the restaurant, just hanging out, everyone is saying to them how bad they are. So it's a mental part of it. So you want to play every other day to get bounced to your game, but also the mental focus. Coach, what did uh, Milwaukee figure out there in Game 3? Well, they, they got, for first thing, they were absolutely emphasized of getting Giannis in rhythm, either in transition as far as him setting the screen and in a back action, throw, throw, throw it back to him, and he had a, almost like a short ISO. And then for some bizarre reason, when the Suns kept on playing switch and defense, Giannis went right to the dots, Jake, for a two-footed catch. And that's when all that fouls were created because Giannis was going to in the lane where the passer was, that was his first look for Giannis at the dots against mismatched defense. They hit him really score a lot, but they fouled all the time the Phoenix Suns, and that was a huge factor. So that's what the Bucks figured out. And also, as far as uh, Drew Holiday has done a sensational job on Chris Paul. For the first two games, Chris Paul was absolutely, excuse me, for the first, uh, yeah, basically for the first uh, game, Chris Paul was absolutely dominant. And the last two games where they had less switching on defense, this, um, the Bucks versus Chris Paul, he's done a good job of slowing down slightly Chris Paul and creating havoc. So Chris Paul had, um, had, a, um, uh, had had so many lesser turnovers in those games, and now in the last two games versus basically the primary defender, meaning um, Drew Holiday, he has 10 turnovers in the last two games. In the previous five games, Chris Paul had a total of 10 turnovers. So it, the little things that do matter, it's not one thing, it's cumulative. Gordy, when you have one player who's a star like Giannis, when he plays well, when he plays like he did in the last game, what effect does that have on his teammates? Is there a tendency by some to kind of sit back a little bit, or does it raise the level of everyone? It raised the level. Let's join the party right now. So that's what happened. So suddenly everybody has a, they're alert. They see Giannis taking the ball to the basket, not settling for jump shots where he's, he's uh, imposing his will to, to, uh, to impact the game, and that's what he did. So, so suddenly, Bobby Portis is banging and fighting and clawing, and so is Chris Middleton. Uh, Pat Connaughton is playing unbelievable. And uh, Drew Hart, I mentioned earlier, defensively and also timely shooting. So when you're a star player, that the perception is at, at that moment you are playing to absolutely win. Everyone jumps on your back as far as you might carry the team, but your sidekicks really are what? A, a big part of it. I know all games in the NBA Finals are important, of course, but now that it's 2-1, Game 4 has got to be critical for Milwaukee to win, right? Critical, absolutely. So from Milwaukee's point of view is that they've got to just recapture again what they did in Game 3, and that was being the aggressor. Also, they did a wonderful job of the Bucks of pounding the boards. So if you're the Suns' point of view, if you do play zone, some of the time to slightly slow down Giannis's initial thrust to the basket, you've got to block out out of the zone. And that was a huge factor where the, uh, the Bucks pounded the glass 47-36 and 13-6 
uh, on the offensive boards, and that was uh, that was a, a huge factor. So you've got to control the boards, slow down Giannis if you're the Suns, and you've got to figure out Devin Booker, who's a sensational player. He was in a funk, is that he had a hard time just getting himself going against the good defense and the, the help defense that was on. DeAndre Ayton, who we all love, is a good young guy. He got in early foul trouble, and that affected the rebounding situation. So you've got to get Devin Booker going in space. You've got to keep DeAndre Ayton in the game to keep big on big in the lane. And you've got to just help out Chris Paul, the mental part. Every once in a while, set a random screen, Jake and Gordon, on uh, Drew Holiday to give Chris Paul that little more daylight instead of making it work down the floor every single bounce where he's got to try to maneuver against good on-ball defense. So, Gordy, do you do you uh, consider Jake Scott a, a good friend? He's a, he's our good friend, right? He, he's a, he's We like him. He's our good friend, right? Yes. Okay. Where are you going with this? Well, I don't want to mischaracterize your point of view on this, but I want to ask Gordy about it and see what he thinks. Because, Gordy, Jake says that home court advantage really doesn't mean that much. And am I am I characterizing that properly? For a variety of reasons, it's a pretty broad statement, but yeah. Okay, so what do you, what's your response to, to that uh, line of thinking, Gordy? I love Jake. However, in basketball, it does, especially in the playoffs. I know pandemic is a different uh, level as far as fan interest, as far as actually being there. But in basketball, it does matter. The players, generally speaking, they're more comfortable with those friendly rims. There's more of a routine. And even though in the playoffs there's more distractions at home games because the family members, they all mean well, but they all want a piece of you as far as when you're home. And so you've got to try to um, overcome that. But generally speaking, in playoff games, usually that the better teams win the home games, especially if it goes game seven. Eighty-two percent of the in game sevens, the home team has won. So, so, so Gordon, Jake, I love you, dog. No, so, no, no. So, but yeah, explain. What so you think. I, I believe Jake, that I love you, dog. I believe that home court matters on a game by game basis. You know, it is basketball, and there is a, a certainly a, a factor there. But the point comes from you play all regular season for seeding, and home court is this big reward where it's not much of a reward because it does matter in game seven. But what percentage of series go to game seven? It's very low. So in order Correct. for that to really benefit and to really make a difference, it has to go to that game seven. And when we talk about the home team wins game seven, 82% of the time, right, coach? But uh, how, what percentage of the time does the better team have home court advantage? Well, the Suns finished second, so they would right now. And the Bucks finished third, so they had to upset the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And so... In other words, they might not have a home court advantage, but they really they have one on the road regular season. So that makes the chain jazz basketball. That's it, Jake. The Jazz were 35 and 31 and five at home this year, which is absolutely the best record at home in the NBA regular season. Away they were 21 and 15, 21 and 15. So the Jazz had had the ability to win on the road. Let's fast forward in the Jazz playoff run. The Jazz were four and two at home this playoff run. Away they were two and three. So you could see that they were they were definitely lesser on the road in this these playoffs versus the road games in regular season. So Jake, it does matter. It does. 
any response to that. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just wanted you in a game to... by game basis. It matters. I know. I still don't think okay. it's much of a reward for okay. an entire regular season. All right, uh, Gordy. This is a weird question to ask you, considering that you spent your career as a coach. But how much does coaching matter in in a in an NBA Finals situation? Because, like you said, the the coaching a lot a lot of the coaching has been done already, right? So. What happens once the finals are underway in regard to the to the coach and his what he's telling his players to do? Well, with the starters, not as much, but with the bench guys, a little bit younger, he's a calming influence. Often, a lot of young players in the NBA don't know what day of week it is right now. They're so, um, as far as what's the word, uh, flighty. I'll, I'll say it to you. So, with the coaching step, meaning plural, they had much more impact in the finals. Or deep, or deep in the playoffs, whether it's conference finals or finals, with the younger guys off the bench to keep them focused. And a lot of times with younger people, they get a very, very uh, uh, big bravado, but inside them they're insecure. And so what you want to do is just calm them down. With the starters, the much more grizzly veterans, with the, with the exception being an exception, and that often with, with the starters, I would say just stay out of their way. They're, they're elite players, but the reason why, if they ask you a question, you would give them the, an answer. But, you, but most of your coaching in the, in the finals would be with the younger guys to get them focused and also to play into the moment right now. Coach, uh, we may not realize it because the finals are going on, but the draft is is right around the corner. For the uh, you know the scouts and the pro personnel guys out there, what uh, what are these final weeks before the draft like? They're absolutely intense. I know the Jets right now are bringing the guys in as far as working them out. And the workouts really are important because it's the only time really that the coaching staff, I mean, the, the NBA coaches have seen these guys not play in a game because most times it's, it's only two-on-two two or just doing drills, but I call it kick the tires where you can see their body length, their shooting form. And that, so you match up their their physical uh, attributes of what you see on synergy or on the films. So that's important from a coaching standpoint. So it's intense. Remember in jazz basketball, when the Jazz picked Rudy Gobert at 27, he wasn't the finished product it is right now. And when the Jazz did the jackpot with Donovan Mitchell at 13. So the draft absolutely does matter. Now what happens is that I called it it's the interpretation. Someone might like some players uh, jump out to you as far as their athletic talent, which is important. Certainly, to play in the NBA, to play in the NFL, you need talent. There's certain metrics that you need as far as length, quickness, movement. But also you need intangibles, and that's what separates everybody as far as the winning teams. Most teams that go deep in the playoffs is that the scouts are able to identify their talent but the coaches can really identify their what? Their intangibles by watching them play and talking to people about these players. So it's not really an exact science, but as, as I call you, you combine the metrics with your instincts equals what? A winning player. See, I find that fascinating, Gordy, because, I mean, you think about the current MVP, you know, and what was he, 41st? Was he the 41st? Yeah, 41st, like yeah, that? 41st. I mean, and Giannis was, Giannis was picked non-lottery, number 15. Yeah, so, so, yeah, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, 15. Well, how, did, how does that happen? I mean, we're talking about, 
players who are among the best five players in the world. And in the world. How, how, and how, how is – I understand that it's a crapshoot at some level, but how does it happen to that degree? It shouldn't happen. So, by the way, for example, for, for all the people right now uh, driving around I-15, listening to 1280 of the Zone radio, but do you realize that Jimmy Fredette was picked over Kawhi Leonard that year? Yep. Yeah. You realize that? I mean, that's you, to take a step back from the maddening crowd in the context of saying that. And so, has it happened? Because a lot of times, again, um, the scouts often don't see enough NBA games. In other words, I coach for a living. I do this every day for the last, literally, in the NBA for the last, I mean, about 31 years. And so I think about NBA players all the time, whether being at the games or watching film. And so what happens is that you, you get a feeling about players. So a lot of times the, the college scouts and even some of the personnel people, they don't see enough NBA games with teams, like with winning teams. What does it take to be a winning ninth man of a playoff team? And so the mistakes are made. However, the teams that usually win make lesser mistakes, like lesser. They make lesser mistakes. Like, for example, in jazz basketball, a long, long time ago, our colleague Frank Layden, by the way, he picked John Stockton at 16. Are you kidding me? He picked Carl Malone at 13. Are you kidding me? So the two jazz, two jazz, jazz franchise players were picked in this world, one non-lottery and one was, a, one was a, the, the almost a late lottery, meaning Carl Malone. So has it happened because the, they only go by just knockout talent versus you need talent, but are you a basketball player? Hey, Gordon and Jake, I know a lot of guys can run and jump. You know something? They can't rebound. Yeah. All right, Coach, you have a list for us today? Yes, Jake. This list today is a very short list because it's so hard to do. The most career triple doubles in NBA Finals history. Oh, wow. Finals history now. So I made the list shorter, yet it's only two as far as uh, uh, you have to have at least two. So there's six players tied with two triple doubles in NBA Finals history. They are Bob Cousy, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Walt Frazier, Larry Bird, and Jimmy Butler, all tied with two triple-doubles NBA Finals. Next one, Draymond Green had three triple-doubles in NBA Finals history. Second all-time, Magic Johnson had eight triple-doubles in NBA history, and the leading player with the most triple-doubles in NBA Finals history, he plays for the Lakers LeBron James did it 11 times triple-doubles in 55 NBA Finals games. Mm. So that's how hard it is. Don't you get the feeling, Jake and Gordon, that Giannis might get one on, on Wednesday night, or maybe Chris Paul might get one, or Devin Booker on a, a huge bounce-back game, or Chris Middleton might get a triple-double, meaning what? Assist, rebounds, points. And remember, the last point is this. You might mention, why not Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain? Here's the reason why. Prior to 1974, the NBA didn't officially recognize steals or blocks. So we, we have no idea how many blocks Bo Russell got in playoff games or Will Chamberlain because it wasn't officially recorded. I got one follow-up on, on that. Uh, it just came to me as you were giving us that list, Gordy. 
If you were to designate the best decade in NBA basketball history, you could pick any decade. Which decade do you go with? The 90s. Over the current the, game. Yes, the 90s, yeah. Because the 90s, you had the first element of, of athleticism, but you still could play physical defense. Now, because of TV rules, I understand it, reasons why. So you have to adjust to it. Now, there's still a high level of uh, athleticism, but I called uh, Jake and Gordon, it's like playing defense in a tuxedo. So back in the 90s, you could, you could play defense, both physicality, without cheap-shotting people. You could be much more physical. Back in the 60s was the era of the, of the big guys. There were so many big guys in the 1960s that were once in a lifetime. It's crazy. I saw most of them play as a young guy. But I would take the 90s right now as far as the best decade uh, through 1990 to 2000. Coach, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Jake, stay well. You guys, peace out. See you, Coach. Our uh, friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa, jumps on with us on Mondays. We appreciate it when he does. All right, uh, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Oh, what you going to do? You want to get down? Tell me. Oh, what you going to do? Do you want to get down? You wanna get out? What you gonna do? You wanna get out? It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. The summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Or call today, 801-253-3080 at Davis Vision. Gordon, we were going to do what's going on earlier, and we got sidetracked. Should we play our DJ and PK clip here? Let's do it. Here's uh, David and Pat this morning talking about uh, the finals now with the Bucks getting a win. The Bucks blasting Phoenix. Is this the beginning of the end for the Suns? Well, I hope not. <laughs> Is that what you heard from your sisters? No, I heard it from me, my heart. Mario has good news for you. Nope. <laughs> Cutting right to the heart of the matter. I don't know about that, Mario. You're worried. Well, oftentimes when the best player plays the best. Yep, I knew that's exactly where you're going. His team wins. Yes. Because you described Middleton as playing a good game. Well, really, it's just an average game. But when Yanni is doing what he does, he's making beautiful music. And makes everything so much easier. So when the best player plays the best... That team often wins a playoff series. Yeah, has a significant advantage. And clearly he's the best player. I don't think anybody would argue that. It's just a question of, does he play the best? Well, he did in the last two games, and certainly in Game 3, he was sensational. You you literally couldn't ask for more from the man. He's making enough free throws to keep him honest to where you you can't just send him to the line... Uh, intentionally, basically, uh, the referees took care of that, giving him 17 free throws, and the other team only shoots at 16. Uh, that's a major advantage right there when one individual outshoots the other team in its entirety. 
Sure. If I'm Monty Williams, I complain about that. Uh, and that's part of what coaching is part of the coach's job. Yeah. yeah. You have to put the bug in the in the referee's ears for the next game that hey, you know, we, we just can't have this. It's got to be much uh, more even. And look look for this, look for that, whatever it might be. Uh, so right now, being down 2-1, uh, I really like their chances. Yanni plays like this. They did come back from an 0-2 deficit to beat the Nets. Yeah. Took them seven, and they got there. So it's not like they're completely freaked out by digging an early hole in a series. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If you're that mentally weak, you're not going to win then anyway. If you're freaked out, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about game four, not what – I can't even remember. When did they play the Nets? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I look ahead, not behind. Uh, so – and I look at Yanni doing what he's doing – and it's very, very impressive, and it's and it's easy too. It doesn't look like it's a much of a struggle. It's like get him the ball, and he's got these expandable arms that somehow uh, he's all arms and legs, and <laughs> takes a step. One step for Yanni is like four steps for mankind. Uh, uh, the Antetokounmpo fast break hit mid court, and you're probably three steps from the rim. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, mister. Sing it. Give me three steps towards the door. In this case, that's what we're going to call it, a door. It's not a cup. In order for a cup, it have to. a cup has to have a hole. Yeah. Or doesn't have to have a hole. Can have a hole. So I don't understand why they call it a cup. I know DB does it, and if DB does it, then it's the right thing to do. Because it's DB. Is it no. technically cylinder the right term? The greatest. Uh, I call it basket or hoop. Hoop, basket. I'll go with rim, hole. bucket. But that's the cup. Cylinder. I, I see some big coffee cup up there or something. It's, you cut yeah, the but, bottom out of the peach basket. But D, if DB says it. No. 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 no DB you, can get an you, A plus you, without you. getting 100%. Okay, yeah. I, I just want to be on record. I do not go against DB. I'm on the right side here. Speaking of right side, man, I went and got a flag this weekend. Put it in my front yard. This weekend? Yeah. Wasn't that for last weekend? I, I only read what I read this weekend. I didn't read it last weekend. Fourth so of I July. Last I know, weekend. But I read what I read by somebody out. here locally this weekend. Not if she, uh, That person, I don't know if it's a man or woman, I would have said it the week before, I would have gotten the flag. So, But once I saw what I saw... Got my flag, put it in my yard. Rick says it's just one game. I still think the Suns win this in six. Okay. It is? Well, it's two games. But, man, he just makes everything so much easier. Well, I think he's referencing just one game is just one loss. Your point is it's two games of Giannis going for 40, and if the Suns can't rein this guy in a little bit. And then the other thing is, well, if you don't rein him in, you offset him. I know nobody expects Booker to be better than Giannis onto the Kemble, but if Booker goes for 30 and Giannis goes for 40, does that offset him enough? That was an off game for Booker. Booker's better in game three. We're not going to get a steady die to that the rest of the series. Booker's too good that the Bucks. I thought he had the flu or something. And Monty didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, okay. So, great. He's got three days to bounce back. Shake off whatever it. bug. Well, great if it does, and great if, but bad if it doesn't. Pump him full of meds. Let's go. Hydrate. Flush that thing out of his system. I don't know. 
I mean, how many times are you going to get Crowder six for seven? So you, you love to do that and go this way, that way, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I can say, yeah, but how many times is Crowder going to go six for seven from three? So that's going to offset Booker's increased production. Yep. So now we're back to, to we're back to square one here. Possibly. <laughs> There you go, David and Pat talking about uh, the series and uh, where it stands now. I, I thought their point was a good one. I do think Giannis is the best player in this series. Yeah. And so a lot of basketball, maybe it's something we should have considered more. Uh, but the injury threw that so for, through for a loop because you just didn't know what kind of player was going to, to show up and play. But I do believe he's the best player in this series. And if he plays up to and gets some help, you know, we – we shouldn't underestimate the Bucks. No, we shouldn't underestimate them. But if what uh, PK said there is true, that the best when the best player plays the best, the team wins. I, uh, I don't think that's always true. Yeah, I know. I, that sort of takes away the overall effect of the entire team. It helps that? though. Sure does. It would help. Yeah, but doesn't the best team usually win? Well, I think back to speaking of Devin Booker when he scored 60 in this building and he's still the Suns still lost by double digits that night, remember? Yeah, yeah. Where he put himself back in the game? <laughs> you're never going to forgive him for that, are you? But the, but the thing is, you're not going to get to the finals if you're a one-man show. You're really not. LeBron, LeBron's taken some not-so-terrific teams to the finals, but he still had help. I mean, those Cleveland teams weren't helpless. See, this is the thing about the, some of the great teams we saw back in the in the decades, uh, past decades that Gordy was talking about, was that there were great teams. I mean, those Showtime Laker teams were great. That that eighty five, eighty six Celtics team was great. It had not only did it have Larry Bird, but it had Robert Parrish, it had Kevin McHale, it had Dennis Johnson, it had Danny Ainge, it had Bill Walton on it. You know, I mean, so. I, I, I'm not a super team guy, but but I like the fact that the best when the best team plays the best. I like that notion better than when the best player plays the best and that team wins. I I I understand that it's a reality in some years, but I don't like it. Well, tell you what, if Milwaukee's team can get a win in Game Four. <laughs> Then we've really got a series on our hands. Yeah. I really hope that and happens. And I would expect that to happen, Jake. Wouldn't you? I don't know. Expect is a very strong word, but I certainly wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Expect is, you know, like I expect the sun to come up in the morning. You know, <laughs> seems a little firm. Okay. Uh, would you lean that direction? Well, the way they played uh, yesterday, yeah. I understand that Devin Booker is going to play better, but still, I, I would, and I lean, I lean toward the home court, Jake. I, I you just, completely mischaracterized my point. Well, you should have called me out on it then, Coach Chiesa. But you do that to me a lot in interviews these days. <laughs> Did that make you I'm going to start doing that to you. More. Oh yeah, I'm going to start doing and that then, to me. He's going to start doing that to in me in interviews. Jake, you've done it before. That's why I wanted you to clarify because I w didn't want to misrepresent what you what you said. So I'm glad. Did you did you properly uh, repair the damage? 
Yes. Or are you just mad at me because Gordy agreed with me? No, I'm not mad. Oh, the way you put it that uh, like playing in an NBA game is like playing on a neutral floor, that it doesn't matter at all, which has never been my point, which concerns me about you uh, and listening to actually what, I, uh, what I'm saying. You, you said, this is what you've said. You've said that home court advantage really doesn't matter that much. I've heard you say that a bunch of times. In an NBA playoff series, not in one particular game. Well, but a series is a is a is a grouping of games, right? And you play the same amount of games on each other's home court, unless the series goes seven. Yeah, yeah. But still, you're more likely to win not, the home not games. Not in an individual game. You're that more has like, never been my you're argument. You're more likely to win the home game. Not that has never been my argument ever. Not once. Oh, I'm glad you had the opportunity there to clear that up. I felt it was totally unnecessary in the first place. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, the off chance, the 5% of the time that goes to a Game 7, I guess you're right, Gordon. <laughs> uh, whatever. I didn't mean to miss Game And, by the way, the Jazz have won in their, uh, we went back and looked at this, in their Game 7 playoff history, the Utah Jazz, they've only played like five of them, and they've won more on the road than they have at home. You looked that up? I did. Well, okay. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. Thank you. I <laughs> want to remind you of the top 1660s back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as you can't down the start of the college football season. It's top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only on the Zone Sports Network. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for 20 Seconds of Baseball, brought to you by Peach Window and Door. For more than 25 years, Peach Window and Door has been providing superior quality windows, doors, and customer service to the Wasatch Front. Call them today, 801-566-1255 for all of your window and door needs. Without further ado, Austin Horton and 20 Seconds of Baseball. And now it's time for 20 Seconds of Baseball with the Big Show's Austin Horton right here on the Zone Sports Network. The home run derby starts at 6 o'clock. Shohei Otani is the odds-on favorite. Hit one in batting practice out of the stadium. Reportedly traveled 510 feet. That would be the third longest home run ever hit at Coors Field. He'll also start on the mound and lead off for the American League tomorrow night. First player in history to do that since 1933. The Bees are at home tonight at 635 on 12 Zone. Well done. Nice job, Austin. So we do have the home run derby up here uh, in the in the studio, and I'm watching these. Now I realize these guys who are pitching to the home run uh, hitters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, throw batting practice for right. a living, so they're they're really good at it. Uh-huh. But do you think uh, any of them have ever shown up and had a bad day, and the hitter <laughs> is just pissed? Yes. Like, come on, Larry, get it over the plate, God. <laughs> That has to We're happen. trying to make some money. Throwing knuckleballs. <laughs> what Got him again. <laughs> do, do they Are put you hung over or something? God, you had one job. Do they put it where where the the hitter wants it to be? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're That's using. That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're using the teams. Does the hitter pick the pitcher? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure they bring along their 
BP thrower. <laughs> but that, that's what I say. Everybody has an off day, right? You know? Yeah. I the guy had a little tightness like in the shoulder, couldn't get it over the plate. Yeah, and they were, then the batter. If they were that accurate, they'd be pitching in the majors. And the batter uh, says, hey, throw it a little better. The next one hits him in the head. Yeah, right. And then you get a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're a little like, oh, I'm blowing it for this guy. <laughs> that's, there was that story about Bryce Harper the year he won the home run derby. He had his dad throw for him. And the reason he picked his dad was no one wanted to help him on the staff in Washington. So oh, really? he had to ask Daddy O to fill in. Yeah. Was that and they the, spun was that it. The real they spun it into oh, Daddy. Do you know that? What, name another time in the in the history of the exhibition that the the pitching coach has not dropped his life to help this guy. You're telling me that nobody on the team, none of the coaches, none of the f- normal batting uh-huh. practice. Pitchers would pitch to, to Bryce. What happened four months later? Well, yeah, I understand. He left that. for Philly. I understand that, but they, they knew. Oh, and then the next year, what happened? I, See, I, that would be they even, won it all without him. That's true. Yeah, but you're, that's they're a better without him. They were better. They without were him. better. Yeah, but that's a stretch to say that nobody would pitch. It's not him. my. It's you can Google it. <laughs> okay, but that that true. actually <laughs> would be more funny than the the BP pitcher having an off day, but a vendetta. <laughs> Right, you know, like every single pitch just goes in just, enough that he can't that he pops it up. Him out. <laughs> if they hated him that much, they would have sent somebody in there to screw him up. That's like when Jake uh, was doing the MC over at Smith's and Bumble. Oh yeah, exactly. Didn't really understand the the, 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 the game. Point. Yeah, the he idea threw a thousand miles an hour so the nine year old girl would go home in tears. Yeah. I do love that story. They were just going through all the velocity and uh, angles as far as humidity and and uh, elevation at Coors Field. Uh, man, baseball can get pretty technical sometimes, can it? Unnecessarily so. Yeah. Just, just throw the ball, hit the ball, <laughs> catch the ball. Except right. that Coors is at 5,300-plus <laughs> feet above sea level. The next closest is just over 1,000 feet. Is that true? What's yeah. the next closest? Uh, Arizona. Oh. Yeah, there, there's 4,000 feet between the next highest. You can sneeze so the ball out of that, that park. So what difference does that make as far as how far the you The air's thinner and the ball. No, I know that, but how much of a difference does it make? It's a, a, a on ball average, that, that would normally go 400 feet at sea level goes 430. Close, 424, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason no one wants to pitch there and never has. <laughs> Not to you. mention the short porch and right, of yeah, course. Right. You're just begging to give up runs. What's that place called out there in center field? The Rock Pile or something? What's it called? That's it. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another Monday comes and goes, Gordon. show always seems to go fast on Mondays. We always uh, have a lot to talk about. It goes fast every day. And I, and I had my off moments in the show today, I'll admit. I'll Did you? Yeah. I Any particular? Um, well, you know, don't have to relive them. <laughs> we could. We'll just leave them in the past. Like when Jake and I were uh, engaging in your conversation, by the way, about baseball's future in Utah and we're having a good time, and ha, ah, yeah, man, that'd be fun. And well, if there's a drop of water to drink by then. Well, I meant the yeah. population growth because that, I wasn't talking about baseball personally. I was talking about that if if the population doubles in the next fifty years, 
that uh, that baseball sure, will sure. be here. Then there was the rip roaring family was, time of the, the not sports concern. report. Yeah, the what? The the rip roaring family time of the not sports report, where we <laughs> learned that Russia's got a nuke aimed right at Salt Lake. Yeah, I didn't. So say what's that. the point? I, mean, I didn't say that. Yeah, that was the gist. <laughs> it was not. It really was. Now you're mischaracterizing what I said. Am I? Yes. No. It's but strange. you would never do that. No, no, never. Uh, <laughs> Gordon, you enjoy not watching the finals tonight. Why don't you watch baseball? You you have no idea why you don't care about the sport of baseball anymore. Why don't you dig in? I could care about it again if I really got if I. If you I threaten to do on. that every season, I and know. it lasts zero it's days. Because my team sucks every year. The home run derby's an hour into it. How much have you watched? I watched the I watched the baseball playoffs, and I watched the World Series and make. I go out of my way to see that. Do you? Yeah. Unless your expos are in it. You mm. could watch uh, Netflix's Too Hot to Handle. <laughs> it's all the rage. It's where a bunch of uh, Too Hot to Handle singles that are uh, dating others go to an island and see how long they can refrain from extracurricular. Are you watching that? No. I saw J.P. Chunga is, though. So. Well, that's all you need to know. What are you watching these days, Jake? Uh, aside from kids' stuff? <laughs> Pretty much kids' stuff. All kids' stuff all the time? My wife are try- and I Paw are Patrol. trying to make through uh, make it through The Godfather of Harlem, which is only only two seasons in existence, and I swear it's taken us like six months. To so you have to wait till the babe, the kids are asleep. Right. And then you start watching, and then you fall asleep. Probably. If Yeah, one of us can make it. I mean... <laughs> what do you mean? The temptation to go to bed is is quite great. <laughs> so you're watching so the we inside could, of your uh, yeah. Your we could eyelids. stay up and watch a show, or we could go to sleep because the baby's going to be up in two hours. Yeah, that, that is a consideration. Yeah. So well, we watched one last night. So okay, it's pretty good. And what was it you watched? Godfather of Harlem. Okay, it's a Forrest and, Whitaker and would drama. Would you recommend? Uh, it's good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, there's some language and violence stuff. I wouldn't watch it with the kids, but, yeah, we're enjoying it. Aren't you also watching Up a Creek? I'm watching that, too. That's just, uh, honestly, that's that's baby rocking time. That's what goes on the TV. <laughs> what do you call it, Austin? Because we don't want to, you know, anybody to misunderstand. The Eugene, name. Eugene the name, Levy's show. You have name, a yeah, uh, Poop Creek. Yeah. Poop Creek, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up a Creek, yeah. No, I, I watch that when I've, like... I'm the one who needs to hold and calm down the baby. That's that's what goes on in the background. Speaking of Poop Creek. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, Gordon, you enjoy your night, buddy. You too. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.